I think pride in the job, the sense of unity and belonging that you've got to that organisation and to the guys around you, the guys around you mainly, that's what keeps you going. Pride, love of the job and, and the love of the lads. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle. As most of you all know, Take Flight is typically a peak performance movement where we discuss the routines, practices, and philosophies that our guests have lived by in order to reach the very top in their field and live a purposeful life. More often than not, on our way to the top, we experience periods at the bottom and everyone's bottom is different, but high achievers tend to have the best advice when it comes to battling our minds. Throughout the month of May, we're raising awareness for mental health. For many, this period of isolation will be the biggest challenge mentally that we've ever faced. Having our freedom to live a life we ultimately took for granted stripped away will weigh heavy on a lot of us. And this very movement and podcast was born out of my own darkest moment and is why I'll continue to raise awareness for those suffering in silence. With that said, the final episode in this four-part series and the guest for episode 85 of the Take Flight podcast is none other than Jason Fox. Foxy is a former Royal Marine Commando and Special Forces Sergeant. He joined the Marines at 16 and served for 10 years before passing the gruelling selection process for the Special Forces, serving with the SBS, the Special Boat Service. In 2012, Foxy was diagnosed with PTSD and discharged from the military, something he speaks very openly and candidly about in his book. Foxy is also an author of two books, Battle Scars, a Sunday Times bestseller, the story of his battles with mental health, and Life Under Fire, his new book coming out later this year. He's also an adventurer and was part of Team Essence, who rode across the longest part of the Atlantic in 2016. He's also trekked to the North Pole and last year completed a near 2,000 mile kayak trip along the Yukon River in Alaska. Foxy is also a motivational speaker, delivering talks to big corporates and possibly what he's most well known for, Foxy is part of the hugely popular TV series, SAS Who Dares Wins, where he and the other directing staff, or DS, take recruits through hostile and unforgiving warfare environments to test their physical and mental strength. He's also the co-founder of Rock to Recovery, a mental health charity supporting former and existing serving members of the armed forces who are suffering from any trauma they may have experienced. And aside from all of this, he is also just an absolute legend. There was so much that I wanted to ask him. I managed to get it into the hour that we had. I hope I've represented his story adequately because it's such an epic one. As we come to the end of this four-part series in support of Car Mental Health Charity, I want to thank every single one of you who have supported me during this campaign, whether that's through just listening and sharing the podcast, donating money via the Instagram lives we've done, or by buying a Strong Not Silent t-shirt, because every eight pounds that is raised goes towards a potentially life-saving phone call. Calm operate phone lines every day between the hours of 5 p.m. at midnight, and as it stands, we've raised enough to have contributed 125 life-saving phone calls, which is unbelievable. I felt a huge sense of pride when I got told that last week. If you want to continue to support, you can by going to mymanner.london forward slash shop to buy one of our limited edition exclusive collaborative t-shirts or go to at markwhittle underscore tf on Instagram to see more details on how you can support. And a massive thank you to everyone again. Without further ado, please enjoy this very special episode of the Take Fight podcast with former Special Forces Sergeant, author, adventurer, SAS Who Dares Wins DS, and absolute hero, Jason Fox. Enjoy. Foxy, welcome to the Take Fight podcast. Mate, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Matt, thanks so much for doing it. I've, I've been looking forward to it. I've been yeah. hoping to have you on as a guest for a long time, mate, so it's a pleasure to finally get it in. No, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Good to be on. Yeah, obviously got a lot of uh, lot of friends in the same circle with the likes of the guys at Manor and yeah, uh, you know Aldo, Woody. Loads of people have been on Take Flight as well. And in fact, actually, there's a lot of people who've been on SAS Who Dares Wins that have been on the pod as well. Have there? Yeah. Who else have you had? We've had so Wayne Bridge was last week. Um, All right, yeah, Bridge is a good lad. Yeah, but then way back to earlier days, Esme Gummer. Yeah, yeah. Michael Maisie as well from that series. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Victoria Pendleton. All oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, 
So yeah, mate, just waiting for one of the DSs to come on and, and say what they're really like. <laughs> here, we, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, mate, there's about a thousand things I want to ask you and we've got an hour, so I'll do my very best to keep it to an hour. But I was planning on splitting it down into kind of three sections. So this is typically a peak performance podcast. We speak with people about how they've got to the top in whatever their thing is, whether that's sport, business, military. Um, obviously, you've done that in lots of different areas so it would be good to try and touch on as, as much of that as possible but yeah. also to talk about mental health this is in support of the great mental health charity calm and um, which yeah. i do work for each year around this time when mental health awareness week crops up but generally try and keep the, the topic of conversation year round. but this is when i tend to partner with them and do some do some fun stuff so um yeah talk about mental health and then a little bit about how your life changed with the tv series and, and how that's had an impact on you yeah yeah no worries awesome Okay, mate. So just to go straight in then, what does it take to make it in the military? Because we've had athletes on here who have you know, been part of World Cup rugby squads, England football squads, uh, Super Bowl winners, boxing, world champion boxers. We've had Aldo on and he spoke about his experience, but I'd love to hear from you what you think it takes to be successful in the military. Um, a very high level of being able to blag it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um I think it's um, it's the a bit. I uh, the two main things are, I would say, you have to be quite a stubborn individual, but at the same time, you you need a very flexible mindset. So you can what what I mean by that is you can focus on what the main goal is, which is obviously you know you, whatever it is you're doing. If you're in recruit training, to focus on finishing, but then it's being able to just approach each day not knowing what's going to happen but being ready for anything to happen and that that in that way i mean psychologically i mean obviously there's obvious you know the, the givens are you've got to be physically fit and you've got to be mentally robust to a certain degree but i think if you've got that that air of stubbornness and not being phased by the unknown then that's when you're on the right track you know and and i you know, I can't remember how I did it, but because I was 16 years old, but I think it was just the subconscious effort to say, do you know what? I know what is probably going to come, but psychologically, I don't know how I'm going to react to it, but that doesn't matter because I'm going to learn as we go through it. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it sounds like you're saying being adaptable, but it surprises me as well because like the stubbornness part of it, you know, you hear so often when I, I've been one of these people as well, but when they say, would you have ever gone in the military or, you know, do you think you could survive in the military? And a lot of people go, oh, no, I can't, you know, I can't, I hate being told what to do. Mm. But if you're being stubborn, well, I guess where's the balance between like being stubborn but being okay with... When I, when I say stubborn, I, I would say you've got... A, so that the, being okay with authority is a flexible mindset, like push that to one side, do what you need to do. If you think about everything in life, you're pretty much told what to do. I mean, we're in fucking lockdown now. So we're, you know, we're being told what to do now and we've got to suck it up to a certain degree if we want things to go back to normal quicker than they are. But um, I think um, when I mean, you know, the stubbornness I mean is the stubbornness to push through uncomfortable situations. So, I, I, the, the you know, I joined the Marines and the Marines encompass it well within the within their brand. They call it the commando spirit and it's four. There's four things. And the first two are courage and determination. And I think courage and determination couldn't be linked to stubbornness. So you have the courage to push yourself into a uncomfortable situation or challenge yourself. And then the determination, you're, you're not going to give up. That's the sort of stubbornness I mean. You're not going to give up and you're going to be yeah. determined in whatever it is that you're going to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean now, mate. So like grit and perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you look at it, in, I, I say stubbornness because when I look at it, it's like, when everything your body's telling you to stop, you know, it, whether it's pain, whether it's being uncomfortable, you're cold, wet, miserable, you're telling yourself, no, you're going against your own sort of inner monologue telling you this is horrible, you've got to give up or you've got to stop. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not stopping. Well, I'm interested, mate, because there's obviously loads of people in the military. What do you think it was that separated you? Because you, you obviously went up to, you went to the special forces after the Marines and then became a sergeant. Hmm. What, what do you think it was that separated you from other people? 
Well, there's, well, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I've got good mates that followed me and they actually went, you know, they went on further than I did. I left at the sergeant point. But um, I don't know, I think some of it for me was I really enjoyed being a soldier. I liked the, I liked what that meant. I liked rolling around in the dirt and, you know, the, you know, being, there's a lot more to being a soldier than that, but that's what I loved, you know, all the, you know, having the pride of being good at something, but I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy some of the pomp and ceremony that goes with being in the, what you'd call the conventional military where, you know, there is a little bit of bullshit flying around and you, you know, you've got less autonomy than you do in the special forces. And I knew that I'd spoken to some people and that's what I wanted. So that's, I went that way because I, yeah, like being a soldier, but didn't like some of the things that went with it. But the special forces was a, a way of getting around that and, and, and being given so much autonomy, even as a young, young junior rank within that organization, you're still given so much responsibility and you get to do cool stuff. <laughs> get paid <a> little <laughs> <bit more. laughs> so it was, it was a culmination of a lot of things, but I, for me, it was, I like, I, did enjoy being a soldier. I'd, I'd become comfortable with uncomfortable things, and that's what I liked. Yeah, it's really good to hear as well about having the autonomy side of things because a lot of what this podcast is about is taking a leap of faith into probably what you what you love. And for me, that is getting away from that corporate world or working in the city where there is a lot of that sort of political yeah. stuff in those businesses. And part of what I'm trying to do is encourage people to see that there's a life outside of that and there's alternatives to, to living outside of that stuff. So it's interesting. That's what you thought as well. Yeah. I think it, and again, it, it stems from my upbringing within the Marines and you think about that first commando spirit pillar, which is courage. That is, that essentially means taking that leap of faith, having the courage to, to step into uncharted territory or, or deep waters. Do you know what I mean? Mm. What, what would be an example of like a time where you feel You've shown like tremendous courage. I don't know. I hate using. Uh, it's been a few. I think tremendous. I'd say you know things like as a sixteen-year-old kid joining the going away, leaving home. I'd never left home before and joining the Royal Marines. I think that was quite a big leap of faith. That's probably the biggest one I've done. Everything after then has been reasonably gra gradual, but that was. That was that, that. That was definitely that first leap of faith, and I think that was the biggest one because it was it, that truly was the unknown. Everything else after you know joining, going on selection, and joining the special forces. Yeah, there's a big old leap of faith there, but I'd already prepared myself for that because I've been in the military. So um, it was, yeah. But I, looking back, definitely that that sixteen year old young skinny little sprog getting on a train down to Exeter that was the, that was a leap of faith <laughs> it's crazy isn't it to think back that like 16 years old and it's it's dictated your, your whole life from there really like if you'd have decided not to do that you'd have had a completely different life I would have done yeah not not, <laughs> not so good either I don't think <laughs> no what what was it that made you make the decision then to go in um I didn't do well at school I chinned school off as soon as I could. I wasn't academic, really. I enjoyed sport. Um, I was growing up in in Luton, and there was there was scope for me getting into trouble. And I sort of made that subconscious decision to join the military. And then the Marines spin came from my old man. He he was in the Marines years ago. I mean, I can't remember it, but you know, he he was. I think he left when I was about one. Um. But obviously, there's a there's there's a there's a bit of steerage there for me. I'm like, well, if I'm going to join the Marines, if I'm going to join the military, sorry, I might as well do what my old man did. You know, try and make him make him proud. I suppose. Yeah, like a validation thing almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could have. <laughs> there's easier ways of. Sorry, mate. No, no, go on. I, was, I said, there's easier ways of getting validation. <laughs> yeah. Looking back. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm sure he's pretty proud of what you've done now. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. um, I was born in Luton, by the way. L&D, is that where you were born? Mate, no. See, I travelled around. My, my youngest brother was born in the L&D. Oh, I didn't wow. know you were born in Luton. So, um, yeah. no, I was I was born in a hospital that doesn't exist anymore called um, Freedom Fields in Plymouth. Hence, he was in the Marines. We were down there. 
then we moved wow. about a little bit and then sort of at an early-ish age, I think around, you know, primary school time, I we settled in Luton. Mm, interesting, mate. I've, I've literally just moved to, to Amptill. I was in London for 10 years, but I've just moved out, finally took the, took the leap to get out of the city. And I mean, Amptill was like 20 minutes from Luton. Yeah, I know Amptill. Yeah, I know it. Isn't that yeah. near a place called Clop Hill? Yeah. 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 Lovely. I don't know. I, I don't know why I remember any of this stuff. <laughs> I think I went on a big bike ride with the school, and we ended up in Clop Hill or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you know something? I was I was really keen to ask you was because we've had people on here who have performed it with high stakes, whether FA Cup finals or in in World Cups or whatever it might be, and people who listen to this are often doing things like that themselves, not necessarily in cup finals but their version of a cup final that might be you know doing a talk at a company or presenting a pitch to someone or performing in yeah. some way given your experience particularly in the special forces i was interested to know because it's so far away from what most people have experienced what it, the feeling is like being in battle um what is it the feeling is crikey um so i do i do liken going into battle in the way that I, you know, I did in the end. Um, I liken it to like playing rugby or football where you, you know, at a professional level, rugby players, football players, you know, any team sort of sport, you know what you've got to do, but you're not sure what's going to happen on the pitch because there's another group of people involved that don't want you to win. And so it is, it is very similar in the mindset that you have to approach it with that is the fact that, yeah, I know what I need to do and I need to concentrate on that, but I'm going to go into this with a flexible mind. We've got a plan, we've got tactics, but they, you know, no, no plan for survives contact, you know, getting into stuck with the enemy. Mm. Same with, same with football, same with rugby, you know, same with boxers, even, you know, that no, not a team sport, but you know, you've got a plan, but then you get whacked in the face, which is, you know, Tyson used to say that quite a lot. That's his analogy. So a lot of it is about, you know, there's massive amounts of adrenaline, but you've got to try and box that off for the for the period of the game. And then, like, my running down the tunnel is basically running off the back of a Chinook helicopter, you know, and there's some there's some serious adrenaline there. And, and, and there isn't a crowd, but there's a crowd of other people that are shooting guns and shit. And, you know, you've got to deal with it. And it's it's about thinking on your feet, you know, every every time you went out on the ground you were given a mission and it would be like the mission is to you know it, whether it was to go and get someone or you know to, to sort of like check out a certain area that would then be pushed into the back of your head and then you just take bite-sized chunks of, a, of of achieving that mission it's like the football team or the rugby team it's like our mission today is to win you know but <laughs> we've got either 80 or 90 minutes of battle before we even get to that stage and we need to break that down will it take you know the, you've got the first half but then you break that down into like getting the ball out of the center circle back and then forward and you know so that's what it's like in battle except there is a, an utterly immense amount of adrenaline and there's an a lot and there's an awful lot of emotion like fear is flying all over the place and it needs a little bit of control because fear can be so contagious in the wrong way if if you allow it to turn everyone into flapping headless chickens then you are in proper trouble whereas you know even though a gunfight runs at a million miles an hour you can still slow it down so you can take those deep breaths and you can sort of reassess situations as the, as the nights or the days unfold uh so yeah it's it's just it's a it is it is a roller coaster of emotion um as is probably football games rugby games hockey games you know basketball games who for whoever's playing yeah there's a lot more at stake is, is there like a is there like an instinct like you know similar you're talking to those examples there like sporting examples there's obviously instincts and ways that you adapt and flow state and different different like things that you experience while you're performing did you did you experience that like an instinct of knowing like and, and developing that instinct and yeah it is sort of intuition. You've got to have that sort of, it's like a sixth sense, I suppose. But again, it is built into you as well because, you know, you go through your military, you know, I, I'll talk about the military because that's what I went into. 
you start off at a young age and for you know for a period of time you're just constantly training the the good thing about the military and sports teams or sporting events is you invest so much time in training so much time in learning and development and you run through a million different scenarios for one you know for one idea you know what if this what if this what if this what if this and because it's all done in a training scenario in a relatively safe environment it's just constantly conditioning you to to be prepared for what you might not have planned for and then what that does is that gives you a bank of enormous knowledge sat in the back of your head and then when you're going into situations and you can see something changing in a certain way you're like hang on a minute i know what I know what's going on here because we've learned from all the other people that have gone before us. And it, you know, this, the process dictates to me that we're probably going to have to like, right, hold, get behind a wall, you know, depends whatever is going on. That's what you do in the military. You take cover, have a quick look, reassess, and then think of another plan, which one that you've probably talked about or walked through or run through. And then you switch into that. And then it might, it might be that you have to reset again. And it's just a constant, re-evaluation but the good thing about being in the special forces is you're around so many just utterly professional people that even as even leaders within that organization you know when i was a sergeant you very rarely needed to make some big bold decisions because people just they they organically moved and did certain things in the right way every now and again there's an executive decision to be made but ultimately you've got these highly professional very sort of um disciplined individuals that go about their business knowing that it's all about the end game the efficient the mission yeah did you love it yeah i did love it yeah i loved it a lot i i, I sort of when i when i first left i missed it i don't miss it now <laughs> <laughs> getting on a bit but, but um <laughs> I did, yeah i did there's you know i loved a lot of things about it it was you know the, the professionalism the the camaraderie the brotherhood was like second to none it was unbelievable you know you, you've got a, a group of guys and it is guys at the moment it, it, it will change but a group of guys that you know the there's unrelenting love for each other in in a in a in a protective way you might you might not like like everyone but you definitely love them because of who they are and what they represent and and the kudos that goes with that is is it's sometimes overwhelming it's awesome yeah i relate to that so much mate from my sporting background playing football the camaraderie within teams it's what you experience with one another as well isn't it so winning yeah. losing whatever happens you know nights out from, yeah <laughs> from my time yeah um, it, it, but, it all creates a bond yeah but i love what you're saying about the it's kind of the values isn't it it's something that i've woody was on the podcast probably nearly mm. two years ago but it stuck with me what he spoke about around his values and what he what he continues to do and he spoke to me about it on the podcast i was like okay yeah it's like the first time i've met him i was like fair enough and then stayed friends with him since and i remember one time we met it wasn't too long ago actually and he the way he put his laptop away and wrapped his wrapped his charger perfectly and put everything in his bag <laughs> mate he, he has he has got ocd though to be fair <laughs> <laughs> but he said it's the it's the values you walk past and we did we walked out of the building it was one of the office group buildings and um, yeah, yeah. he just picked up someone's someone's litter without even thinking about it and i just remember thinking oh, oh fair play like he you know yeah yeah he practices what he preaches yeah exactly it is it is all it's about with the military, there's a saying. I'm sure it's the same in a lot of sports, but you know the top, the top top people within those organisations. It's about doing the basics well, and it is you know okay. There's loads of cool stuff that goes on, and that you can be a part of. But essentially, it's all about the basics. As long as you get them squared away, you know, personal hygiene, personal discipline, all that sort of stuff. You, you, yeah. You're on the right. You're on the right track. Yeah, I love that, mate. And it's not that difficult to do the basics, is it? No, it's not. That's the thing. Everyone gets phased out because you get bogged down with all the other noise that's going on. When if you just concentrate on them basics, everything else will it will fall into place. Mm. How do you look at things like success and failure? To talk again about your specifically to your military career, because again, you could use sporting examples here or business. You know, I still work in a corporate job. I'm, I'm in that transitional period at the minute, but still working mm. in a, in a corporate job where 
you know, there are sales targets, there are things that we need to achieve, and there are deals that you work on that you either close or you don't. And there's, you know, it's quite a black and white thing there of success and failure. How did you, with some of the missions you were on, how did you sort of, what was success and how did you look at failure? Um, failure was never really looked at as in failure. I mean, the ultimate failure would be everyone dies and no one gets out of there. But, you know, if, if you come away from a situation having not achieved, that's not really a failure. It's, it's a lesson learned. It's a, it's a building block to then go back, recock and go again. You know, there's plenty of times you'd go out on the ground and you'd not achieve the aim because, you know, it doesn't happen. And you'd come back from that, you'd do a hot debrief and you'd talk about everything that happened that night and you'd look at ways you could do it better. If we hadn't got what we'd gone for, then we'd also be able to get information, intelligence. So you're always trying to spin the positive on it and you're like, yeah, okay, lads, we didn't we didn't achieve that, but it's about how we bounce back. It's about how we go and use that as a means to like stepping up and, and, and achieving on the next run. You know what I mean? So it's you know it's more about lessons learned it, it, instead of saying failure it's like right okay what what lessons can we take from that okay cool a lesson is means you've developed so that's a positive thing and then you bounce back and go again mm-hmm. you know it was it you know it's, especially in war you don't always achieve what you go out to do because it's it's it is mental it is like so kinetic there's so much aggressive energy from either you or the opposition that things are never going to quite go the way you want them to anyway and you should be prepared for that and prepared to pick yourself up bounce back and go again yeah amazing man it's such a amazing outlook for life i think there's a difference between having like rose tinted glasses but genuinely having a spinning a positive out of something that's negative like there's a book that i talk about quite a lot called the obstacle is the way where you know there's obstacles that we come across are the things that ultimately allow us to grow Mm, but if exactly. you look at things negatively all the way, you're just going to be fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people are out, you know, rose-tinted glasses. Like, no, it's not. It's about developing. It's about having the mind to develop, which means you've got to be, you know, you're like, ah, right, we've, we've fallen over. We're going again. It's like, you know, life life can be linked to the old military assault course. You know, you, f- you turn up as a 16-year-old and you, you try and do that assault course first off, and it's an absolute epic, you know, the opposite, and, and, and you're hanging out, and you're like, bloody hell, I'm not going to make the timings required for getting over this in the right, you know, when the test is set. But then, like you said, the obstacle is the way, and you do it, you keep going, you keep going, and then you look, and then the next thing you know, you've just blitzed it in bloody 10 minutes, and you've passed, and you're moving on to the next thing, and you're like, and then that's that's how you get that sort of, self-pride you're like wow that's awesome right what what's next that i can do that's even harder uh you know how far can i actually go and you know i didn't i didn't i didn't pass that assault course first off I, you know i was thrown in at it tried to do it probably failed at a few things fell off the monkey bars or whatever but then it's about right hang on a minute let's go again let's, let's prove to myself that we can do this yeah how good is it on reflection as well to look back and go fuck look how far i've come yeah it's awesome i mean i wouldn't do it again <laughs> don't need to mate. No. done it <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking no. I don't, uh, hauling my hauling my fat ass over them obstacles now <laughs> I don't know, mate. I've, seen, I've seen you and Manny you're in pretty good shape uh, yeah but that, that's a different thing I, that, it's funny actually I, I was talking about this with a mate not long ago and it's like when you're like between the ages of 16 and 22 that's, a, that's I'd say that's the majority of recruits are about that age you might not be like the strongest you, you're going to be, but you've got such an engine on you. You can just, you just seem to go. Like you look at youngsters now, they're just going. They might, you know, they might whinge because that's what you do as a young person, but, <laughs> but they can, they can actually do a lot more than they actually think that they can. And like they, you know, when you see youngsters in, in like running, doing stuff, you're like, ah, wow, they've got that young engine on them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I missed that as well. How, how old are you now? Me, I'm 43, 44 in August. 44 in August. What, what's your like training regime like now then? What do you do? What, what, what keeps you fit? What are you focusing on? Well, it's actually changed a little bit in lockdown. Uh, I've, I've, because of the lockdown restrictions, I've done, I'm all, I'm doing a lot of running. So I'm, when I say that I've dropped off, dropped off the last few days, but I'm, I'm normally running every day doing, you know, about 8k, nothing major, but bashing out the runs and then I'm doing like I call it prison cell workout in my hallway facing a white wall so I've got I've got like a 
I've got, got a couple of dumbbells, kettlebell, and, a, and the old school power bag. So I'm just mixing it up with that, doing some hit hit in the hallway, sweat pissing out all over the fucking carpet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you like? What's important to do? Because I, I think I've found I've had to do a lot more mobility stuff recently, like as I'm getting a bit older and things start to hurt a bit more. Um, I should be doing mobility and I don't. But for some reason, considering my the career, the, the career I had before, I, I have been very, very lucky with physical injuries. I've had like a few niggly knees every now and again. Uh, and I've got a sore, like, sore lower back, which comes from carrying body armor and whatnot, wearing body armor even. But ultimately, I've been, you know, some of my mates have gone through some, you know, hip replacements, really bad lower back injuries, fused vertebrae. You know, obviously, some a lot of people we know lose limbs in war fighting, but yeah, I'm, I've been very, very lucky. So I am waiting for it to catch me up, and I'm I should be doing mo- a lot more mobility than I do. But you know, when I was at when we when the manor was open, it was good being with the younger lads because they they they're sort of quite disciplined with it. So a warm up would be mobility, yeah. yeah, as opposed to me just coming in and cracking on. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder though, is everybody carrying some sort of injury like, as we go on? I think you know, if you go back hundreds of years, everyone was they're all injured, weren't they? Like uh yeah. younger generations but i've got so many injuries from sport that i just carry every day you feel them every day to be fair for, i mean i i i love football but i don't play it because i'm absolutely garbage at it uh, <laughs> but, but it is you know although it's not a full contact sport it's that is some serious injuries come out of it doesn't it because of the stress that it puts on your body yeah, I had a period in America. I played two years there, and a lot of it was on 4G just because of the changes in seasons and just the impact on your joints yeah. every single day. Yeah, the whole basically the whole right side of my body is pretty fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. How much of the how much of the special forces is physical versus sort of psychological in your intellect? It is. It's difficult to really balance that out because I keep, you know, I've said it before. I'm like. Yeah, seventy thirty or or sixty forty in favour of um, the psychological side, but I don't think it is. I think it's a hundred percent psychological and a hundred percent physical. Hmm. It's it's like because there is so much psychology in it, but you've got to you don't have to be the quickest, but you got you've got to be robust. You know, you've got to be able to bounce back. You've got to be able to you know just crack on and when you know you're carrying like you carry so much kit i think i weighed myself once and i was like over 22 stone and then you're carrying that for like 15 kilometers through a over desert you know in blistering heat and you're like how the i look back on it and i'm like i speak to the lads i'm like how the how did we do that because it was it was it was hard work so it's not yeah again it wasn't like that we were all like racing snakes we were just like you know just a load of tanks Human tanks <laughs> but like what? I don't know if you'll be able to remember or not. But what was, what's the internal dialogue then to make yourself keep going? Is it just because you're surrounded by other people doing the same thing that you just elevated to be able to do it? I think pride in the job, um, sense of the sense of unity and belonging that you've got to that organisation and to the guys around you. The guys around you mainly. That's what keeps you going. Pride, love of the job, and and the love of the lads. That's amazing, mate. Yeah, I, I was literally reading something yesterday which was saying unity over self. Like that's yeah. how you get far in life is unity over self. And I think that's, you know, to go back to the business example, when you're in corporate businesses, which quite clearly they couldn't care about you, you know, you're a, you're a small cog in a big wheel. Yeah. I don't see how they can have any sort of longevity. I think, I think it's a flawed way of thinking in the corporate world because, I mean – Yes, you have to have a ruthless streak, but you need to breed loyalty. Loyalty breeds loyalty, and you, yeah. again, one of the one of the commando spirit pillars is unselfishness, which means you come way after everyone else. It's about your team. It's about the unit, the team. It's about your oppo. You're you're not looking after yourself. You're looking after them. But then, if you think about it, because of that, you know that they're looking after you. So you don't you don't need to worry about yourself. You need to worry about them. You're their eyes and ears that they because they're only looking in one direction, but everyone's looking in different directions, and you're all looking after each other. So that unselfishness is 
I'd love it if some of the corporates could turn that around and, and build it into their culture and create a better culture in, in, in the city or wherever it is that they are and just be like, look, you, an organisation is made up of people. Without people, you're nothing. And they should remember that. It's not just about the people at the top. It's about everyone. I think that would be amazing if they could do that. I'd, I just think that with the amount of money and stuff that people are going after and materialism, you just can't remove the ego from that from that world. No. It, 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 would, it would appear not. It'd be lovely to see some a breath of fresh air. I think mm. some they, they do try. There are some organisations that do really try, but then it's all about being, it's about the characters that lead them as well, you know, and, and, and because they change out, then then cultures change really quickly or, or, or a cultural change that needs a lot of time to embed just disappears quicker than it can be installed because that's what happens. That's interesting, mate. So many of the people that I work with are these tech companies that grow very, very quickly. Quick turnovers, new people in there all the time, constantly promoting people who probably are being promoted ahead of their talent or skill level. And yeah, it mm. doesn't breed don't breed loyalty when people change that much. The the, the other the other thing I've have a slight issue with is obviously people do they get they get promoted through work because of their skill set and because they've done well at maybe making money and that. But then as you go up the chain of command up the up up in up up in the structure of the business you're actually in charge of people and have they actually been taught how to lead have they been taught what a, what a leader is because essentially they've just been promoted into a position where they're responsible for people because of what they can do in a technical way or in a skilled way but but you know are they the right person to lead a team because mm. because management it isn't just management it's leadership and and You've got to be compassionate because your team are people. They're not robots. They're people. Yeah. And you, so you need to be able to be compassionate to breed loyalty and breed trust. I think. Yeah. Do you still think that it's a relationship building which is the key to solid le- leadership? Yeah, hundred percent. You, you know, you can scream and shout at people because you're in a position of authority. You'll lose those people straight away. They won't feel like they're engaged. You need to learn about the the team the team that you represent. And that's what you do. You represent them and you lead them through difficult times. And if you've led them well, they'll be there for you. You know, that's what happened in the special forces. You know, the shit hit the fan on so many occasions, but everyone's there for each other because essentially we had amazing leaders, you know, compassionate men. I noticed that about you in the TV series, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the DS you work alongside are screaming and shouting at people, but I noticed that you seem to have, you have the compassionate side that you demonstrate as well. It's because I lose my voice too quickly if I start gobbing off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I'm interested to hear your opinion on, mate? Speaking about leadership as well, but specific to, to going into battles, something else I, I was reading into the other day was to, about direct attacks versus more creative, perhaps more thought-through attacks. And there was a statistic that six of 280 battles were direct, so only 2%. And I don't know what battles these were. I think they were a long time ago in history, but it just shows mm. the statistics. Only 2% of them were like full throttle, just charge into it. And I just think it's a pretty good metaphor for life that like, you don't always have to go straight yeah. the path. No, it's not. It's, it's like, yeah, they, they call it in the military stacks of smoke straight up the middle. Sometimes it works, but it's a big gamble. You're better off thinking about it and, and calculating risk versus reward. And that old, straight up the middle affair doesn't always work it's every now and again when you it's all again it's about being able to gauge a situation how much situational awareness have you got and how quick how much momentum how quick can you swing into action and every now and again yeah it will work i'm not going to say it doesn't but i think a lot of the time we're all human and we like a little bit of caution we like to sort of have a leveled considered response to something because that's what you do in the military a lot of it is responding um and then trying to gain the upper hand or, or or put people onto the back foot and it doesn't always work when you're up against it so it's always worth looking at the sort of you know outflanking the enemy or whatever you want to call it yeah was there anything you did um practice wise that allowed you to get the calmness or like the control over your emotions to make decisions in in those like in the heated moments was there anything you guys you know, like a bit, a bit of quiet, a bit of stillness before the battle or any pre-battle routine or anything like that? Bit, bit of calmness, bit of quiet. Then there's a bit of banter, dark humour. Sometimes didn't like that because sometimes some of the lads can go really dark. And um, <laughs> like, like, oh, we're about to go into battle here, lads. That's just, that's, that's, 
let's not tempt too much fate <laughs> or, or or you know you know i'd be sat on a helicopter my ear defenders on with my ipod in underneath them listening to some tunes having a weird playlist going on like what Ooh, all sorts every anything from slipknot metallica to yeah. carly to carly minogue bit of lots of house music bit of cheesy 80s we like 80s like cheese <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke on strong not side on on the live a couple of weeks ago and yeah was asked was asking you about because obviously that was purely mental health focused so was asking you about how you kind of explained in your book battle scars that years and years of fighting in the military had had manifested certain emotions that perhaps had been boxed up for a while and then they, they came out as as fear in one particular moment in a in a battle that you're in yeah are you, are you happy just to sort of go into that in a little bit for the podcast yeah so remind me is that the when i was talking about the ditch yeah is it that one yeah yeah, yeah so, so i've written about it yeah i don't know i think it was the first time you know i'd obviously been in situations not dissimilar to that and you know i've experienced fear for bloody most of my life probably but it was the first time you know we'd run off the back of helicopters someone had already been killed there was chaos going on all around us bullets flying far away place you know it was a very very we were it was against all odds there was a heavy enemy presence and i remember within like probably about 30 seconds of running off that helicopter i'm in a ditch sorting myself out having a little bit of a moment resetting and then I just remember I wanted to be at home as a 10-year-old boy again with my mum. And, it, you know, that was the first time that fear had manifested itself in that way. And I had to, I had to sort of get a grip of myself and give give myself that proverbial slap round the face to say, look, hey, sort, you, sort yourself out here. You know, you're in the middle of a situation, but you've got a responsibility to people around you as they do to you. So, you know, remember who you are and remember who's with you. Mm. How, how quickly did you manage to turn it around? Like having that faith thought... It was like a milliseconds. It wasn't. Really? It was, yeah. You, I, like when I talk about it and I think to think about it, I'm like, oh God, it must have been ages. But then when I talk to other lads around us, we weren't that that thing that we we're in that mental gunfight. I think it lasted all of about an hour, but it felt like it felt like a lifetime because it was so it was so emotion it was so emotional. So. That's that moment in the ditch. We were only there for like ten seconds max before we got back up and started fighting on. So yeah, it was. Wow. It, the, I I could talk about that night, and it would it would span, you know, a half a day, but it weren't. We were there like we were we were on the ground about an hour. Wow. We were just like super present because people say when you're very present in the moment, it feels like it's almost time slowing down. Yeah. You, you you can only be in the moment. There's no, there's no point worrying about what what hasn't happened. You've got to deal with what's going on around you at the time. I talk about it a lot. I've written about it in my second book that's coming out about the one meter square. You know, when all else is going mental around you, just bring it back to that one meter square that you stood in and deal with everything that comes into it. Mm. Look so forward I, to that, mate. What? Oh, sorry. Now, just I meant as in psychologically as well as physically. You know. Mm. Yeah, but what boxing yourself into that square? Um, not boxing yourself in because you can manu- you you move and that square comes with you. So whatever comes into ah. it, whatever psychologically, it's about don't like all that shit that's going on out there. Deal with what's here. It's like it's like when a recruit goes on to go, starts Royal Marine training. I tell them, you know, picture the goal, getting that green beret, finishing, becoming a Royal Marine commando, but take each day one at a time as it comes park that and deal with each day because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know how you're going to feel just deal with it as and when it comes don't worry about it deal with it amazing mate. yeah it's a dichotomy isn't it that long-term goal versus what's stood in front of yeah. you right now. Yeah, yeah exactly the long-term goal doesn't go anywhere but you just deal with what you need to to eventually get there otherwise yeah. it can be otherwise that big long-term goal can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming so bring it back to the one meter square it's just an analogy that i sort of throw out there no, that's brilliant. I really like that. That's awesome. How do you? Um, it's, it's a difficult one, but how do you view like controlling your emotions in situations versus just completely suppressing it and it having a negative impact? Because the, the energy's got to go somewhere. So, 
yeah, obviously I had a little bit of a wobble in my life and I didn't do this, but before then and now after, it's not about suppressing your emotions. Sometimes you need to park them just to get stuff done. You know, it's like football players, you know, there's a lot of emotion and sometimes you've got to park it. But then what you do is you sort of allow yourself to sort of just in a, in a positive way, reflect and go, I felt like that. Why was that? Explore it, be, be emotionally aware. And then you can be like, all right, I felt like that because of that. And that's, I'm allowed to feel like that because it's bloody scary and I needed to park it then and I can deal with it now. And it's actually, do you know what? I am allowed to feel like that. And I know what I need to, either you needed to, you know, if it's after an event, maybe you need to just give it the respect it deserves and go back and be like, why was that? Instead of feeling ashamed, instead of feeling ashamed about something, go back, talk about it to with yourself, if anything, and then realize that actually, of course, I was going to feel like that. And, you know, I, I was doubting things, but that's what happens. That's what I'm allowed to do. I'm a human being. And then you can move on again. Or if, if you're in the middle of an emotion and you've got time to sort of give it that respect it deserves, sit there and be like, ah, why do I feel shit today? Explore it. You'll work out why. And then you can work out a, a course to then get rid of that emotion or that feeling to turn it back into a positive, whether that's yeah. going to the gym, having a cup of tea or paying the bill that's about to piss you off because it's going to come out of your bank. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's good though. You, you had that brilliant analogy as well that you spoke about on the live about doing the splits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't used. I, I, yeah, I, I thought of that one years ago, and I hadn't used it for ages. And I, was, it, I regurgitated the split <laughs> analogy, where you know a lot of people go through life with one foot in the past, and the, the other foot's trying to go forward. And the next thing you know, you're in the mega uncomfortable split position, ripping your groin out. You're better off just jumping in both feet to the future and moving forward. Yeah, it's super. That resonated with me so much, mate. Because there's things that I've had, I've been carrying for a while, and I've, I've sort of semi-addressed but realised when you said that I was like I haven't gone two feet in which is why it's still painful yeah, yeah you're doing the splits <laughs> yeah I'm doing the splits <laughs> not, 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 not good if you don't practice it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well mate last sort of question around the mental health side of things for people who might be suffering or are suff have suffered in the past and maybe on, on and up but you know happiness can be fleeting or is fleeting these emotions we go up and down there are good times mm. and bad what would you say to people who, you know, they might be in a good or a bad period, but generally how to advise them around managing and coping with their mental health? Um, first one is, first and foremost, is to be honest with yourself. And if if you are feeling a certain way, don't try and suppress it. Actually take the initial steps to start looking at how you can get yourself out of that situation and and understand that what you're doing in in, in so doing that is you're going on a journey and journeys are supposed to be fun and it's a journey about self-enlightenment. It sounds a bit hippie, but you're going you're going to find out a lot about yourself where you become a more rounded and understanding character of yourself and you, that can only be a good thing. So even though it's really difficult to turn that negative into a positive, try and see it as a journey of enlightenment. You know, you're going to find out what put you in that place and what you need to do to then move on with a with a positive mindset and it is difficult and I know because I've been there, but eventually over time, if you keep looking for the positive and surrounding yourself with the right people, you will become, or you will be a person in a better place. Hmm. I love it, mate. It's yeah. I think I've kind of just started to see when negative and difficult times crop up, actually I'm looking forward to it, you know, in a kind of weird kind of way, realizing yeah, I'm yeah. probably going to get something or I'm going to get something from this. That me better. They're all they're all they're all just building blocks. Do you know what I mean? You know, bad dark times, light times, hard times, easy times. It's all just it's just the journey, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. So part of your journey was the amazing TV series you're a part of, SAS Who Dares Wins. I'm a I'm yeah. a big fan of it. I love it. I watch it all the time. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um, you're my favourite DS. Goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> <Lobs>. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did it come about in the first place? Um, someone came up with the idea in TV, uh, didn't, didn't know how they were going to find us. Then we all came together through a very convoluted way. People talking to other people. I'd actually just finished doing a little bit of work in the TV world as looking after a, a production company while they were away and did, did an all right job, I suppose. And then someone else was in another meeting and said, right, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is a, this is the idea. 
we're going to give it some money, which means they've commissioned it. So once it's made, it'll go on telly. And then they were like, well, where the hell are we going to find these ex-Special Forces guys? And then people started phoning up people. Well, I got a phone call. I was wondering what my next job was going to be. I was pretty skint. I was <laughs> scratch, scratching around for work. I was, in a, I was sort of on the upturn to sorting myself out. But it, it turned out that, you know, doing SAS was something that really did help me. You know, it was one of the other building blocks in me getting out of the dark times that I was in. I wasn't deep in them. I was, you know, I was going anyway. I was out of there. But it was definitely something that helped me. That along with sort of like rowing the Atlantic, which was a big, big thing. They were all good things that helped me get into an even better place and helped me understand myself a bit, well, a lot more. So that's how it came about. A bit convoluted, but yeah, it came about in a in a weird way. Did you have any like self-belief that you, again, this is maybe going into a little bit more of a, a, a hippie place with this, but like, did you have like self-belief that you deserved to have something like that in your life and you deserve to go somewhere and achieve those sort of things i don't i don't know whether it's self-belief it was just constant i'd say it's visualization i'm at i want to do something that i enjoy that makes me happy which in turn makes the people around me happy i want to be with decent people i want to be with like-minded people i don't know what that looks like but let's start going let's start thinking like that and going out and doing things and hanging around with mates that i genuinely clicked with and what have you. So that's how it came about. You know, I, you know, not long before the show came about, I just reconnected with Ollie. We were good mates from back in the day and we became, you know, we're now even bigger, better mates. I, I'd been already spending a lot of time with Aldo and then did even more time with him. It was actually Aldo that gave me the job in Madagascar that got with the TV company. Mm. You know, he knew that I was skin and was hanging out for work and he had loads of it and he's like mate have this job i've got i've got loads of stuff that i need to get done i've got another job to do but can you cover for me on this and i was like yeah so i owe an awful lot to my mates as well he's a legend out don't he yeah he's a fucking he's a top top bloke yeah um what about you know you said you you know when it first came around you were still struggling a little bit with a ptsd how did you find coping with being thrust more into the public eye and you know having people have eyes on you and having to perform on tv as well on screen that was all right. The the right. only I think the final the final hurdle in really really um, getting to grips with like my mental health was actually the the being public about mental health. Mm. You know, I, I felt very anxious before that second episode of series one where I was talking about why I got medically discharged, and I was I felt like I was going to be. Ex very exposed and I was, I was i was probably a bit of a nightmare to be around that day the day that 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 second episode went out it goes out at nine o'clock and that that day i was a bit i was probably a bit jittery and like a bit narky and then um and then it went out and it was like that was the final weight lifted off my shoulders i'd, I'd not only had i been honest with myself and the people close to me i'd actually been honest to everyone else and then all of a sudden instead of sorry there's a fly buzzing around me instead of instead of like having to worry about putting up this facade you know this yeah look at me i'm hard i didn't need to worry about that because everyone knew everyone knows my dirt my weak my weak points my low points and actually it's so enlightening you don't then i'm like ah, this is me if you don't like it you can fuck off but that's that's the way it is this is me yeah. and, I'm, and i've decided to talk about this ever since and it's a encouraging people to talk about it as well is a, is a big thing for me anyway yeah, it's huge, man. That that vulnerability. Well, you're you're allowing yourself just to be you. That's really, really yeah. authentic as well. And I suppose the fear of looking weak or looking like, you know, there's something wrong with you just completely disappears because then you can just be yourself. Well, that thing that you see as a vulnerability becomes a strength. You're not like I'm not. I don't feel vulnerable anymore because what you know, what am I hiding? I'm not. There's nothing there to hide. It is that it is what it is, and actually. I didn't want to feel like that, which means it's all right to feel like that because it means it's a natural either reaction or it's a natural emotion, whatever, you know. Do you think that you're, you know, you know Victor Frankl, the, the psychologist who says suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds a meaning or you give it a meaning? Yeah. You, you obviously had your, your PTSD that you're suffering with. Do you think mm. that SAS is your purpose and when you add that to go into and, and share your message it allowed you to get past the ptsd 
I think it was the purpose for the time being. Yeah, I don't want it to be my purpose because obviously things don't last forever. I'll go and find another purpose. But it is, it is a big part of me at the moment. You know, for as long as it it continues, it will be a big part. It takes up a lot of time and it takes up a lot of energy. And everyone, you know, we all put our heart and soul into it. But it is, yeah, it's a, it, it is. It was a purpose then. It still is. It's just I'm very, very aware of not making something that you know what i'd consider a material thing be a purpose because they don't you know they don't last forever so it's mm. about it's about knowing that and then looking for the next thing afterwards or have something else you know that you enjoy that you can you can then dip into as well you know the, the books have been quite a good a really good purpose as well yeah my dad always said to me find new mountains always carried that find the next one yeah exactly there's plenty out there <laughs> yeah yeah what would you uh what would you say is your purpose then is it is it a single purpose or is it is it that case of having a new purpose and moving on to the next one i think I, i'm going to generalize my purpose my purpose is to be happy okay <laughs> and, then, and then and then we'll and then we'll go from there so i'm not you know i can go in any i'm, I'm free to go in any, any direction then but be happy but also to i, I you know if i can help people get through sticky situations by giving examples or talking about what I've experienced or what I've seen, then that's, a, I really enjoy that. That does make me happy. Yeah. Amazing, mate. There's, there's that um, book extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. I don't know if you've, you've read that. one. I, I've, maybe, Bill. I've heard of him. I've heard of it as well, actually, but yeah. I've, not, I've not read it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, quite obvious extreme ownership really talks about responsibility, but, how responsibility gives you a purpose because when you're taking that on you know mm. you feel like you've got a purpose and you're living a purposeful life i don't, don't know whether people who are looking for a purpose it might be sometimes as easy as just saying let me take on that responsibility yeah i agree it's... um oh, mate i've got i know we've only got five minutes so <laughs> <laughs> so i think given that you said your purpose is to be happy. What is it that makes you the happiest at the minute in your life? Um, my home life and definitely doing the, a lot of different projects. You know, we've got stuff going on with Ollie. I've got the books, got the second book that we're just fine tuning now to be, to, to be released in October. What's that under fire? Is it life under fire? Yeah. It's, um, it's difficult to explain what it is because it's not there's there's like stories that I've taken from my life and put into how to build resilience but there's also a lot of science that we've referenced and other people's books that we've referenced and then put a put my own spin on you know it's like a it's like a reference book but it's broken it's not chapters there's phases and then there's other little bits like debrief points and stuff like that going in through through each chapter so I think it it, there's a lot of excitement in there. There's a lot of, you know, talking about emotions and fear and, you know, what that means and, you know, what I've done. You know, I suppose it's the lessons I've learned put down onto paper and mixed in with other people's ideas and opinions too because, you know, I'm not the be-all and end-all. I don't know everything, but there's a lot of clever people out there. So I thought it would be good to also, you know, put chuck a chuck up out to them by sort of like referencing them as well and drawing upon yeah. lots of people, lots of people's lessons. Cause you know, we're, we're a lot stronger as a group than we are as an individual. Yeah. hundred percent mate. And you know, some of these people have written about this stuff for years and it's easier to reference that, isn't it? Than, than talk about it yourself sometimes and sometimes better too. Uh, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. I think the first book was brilliant as well. That was more of a, you know, a story, your autobiography, I guess, more in a sense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was like a little bit about my my time in the military, but more than that, it was my journey with mental health. Mm. Yeah, it was powerful for me as well. I was in the point where I was probably in my darkest patch. So uh, yeah, I read I read it at the right time. As tends as tends to happen when you pick up a book, it seems to find you at the right time, doesn't it? Yeah, awesome. Um, all right, mate. Look, we've got, we do the same three questions at the end of every episode, and these are just to give actionable advice for the listeners to put into um into their life immediately and implement so the first okay. three is is there anything that you've discovered or come across recently that you're particularly excited about 
Um, hmm. I'd say I've been wanting to do it for years and I got to do it last year. And it's probably completely off track with what you're trying to look at. But I, I canoed a river last year. It's quite a big expedition, myself and another guy. And um, we basically canoed the length of the Yukon. And it was awesome. Like f following a river and you're just seeing it it's like a journey through life you see in it it's very youth at the beginning in a lake somewhere and then you just see it become this massive thing and the wildlife along the way the wilderness that was an awesome experience and it I, it was so satisfying that i'm gonna do more of it i don't know how you know even if it's just little ones around the uk or wherever but i just definitely want to do something where you can see something living and you can see it growing as you, as you go along it's, 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 yeah, there's something good about rivers. You can get out of the boat at the end of the day as well, which I like much better than the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> there's something about water in general. I just think the energy that's in water and, well, nature, actually, even if you, you stand in, in the grass in your bare feet, like the energy you get from grounding yourself there. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. All right. Second of these two is if you had to give every listener one practice or habit to incorporate into their day, into a routine that's going to help drive their performance what would that habit be when you wake up in the morning make your bed sit on the end of the bed and just explore how you feel have you are you in a dark mood are you in a good mood if you're in a dark mood acknowledge that acknowledge that emotion look into it address it get yourself out of that emotion turn it into a positive and then get on with the rest of the day because if you carry that dark cloud around with you without working out why you feel like that you're going to be a nasty person to be around amazing yeah again that's just like not burying it but doing it every day that's good man just just having yeah just having a having a quick think of ch it's checking in with yourself do you know what i mean mm. Mm. just quickly i've got what we've got one more to do with these you talked about the visualization yeah and that's sort of how the sas came about do you do that on a daily basis is that something that you you, you have as a routine or how does that work um not daily it depends on what's going on what projects we've got whether it's books, whether it's a series of SAS, whether it's a business um, idea with Ollie, whatever it's, you know, when when those um, ideas come about, you then we spend a lot of time thinking about it, imagining what it was, you know, how it's going to look when we've got it to where we want it to be or, you know, whether it's a task, achieving those tasks. It's, yeah, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a big part, but it doesn't necessarily need to be daily. Yeah, no, brilliant. Wayne... Bridge talks about it a lot, actually. I've started doing it since speaking with him. Every morning, part of my meditation, the last five minutes is just seeing how I want the day to go, seeing how the week yeah. goes and then beyond. And then when yeah. you approach in those situations, those meetings, those talks, whatever, you've already got it in your mind what's going to happen. It's so good. Exactly, yeah. I, last... I agree with him on that one. Yeah, <laughs> just that one. He told me that he rang you pissed the other night, by the way. Oh, mate, I, tell, I swear to God. It wasn't <laughs> even... It, when he says it was at night, it wasn't even at night. Him and his missus were absolutely... <laughs> smashed but yeah you had to negotiate him off the phone <laughs> yeah so the last of these three is if you had to nail down one trait within you that's allowed you to get to where you are have the success that you've had what would that one trait be grit hmm. I'd say living in the Nile but having grit while you do it amazing mate um, I want to be respectful of your time, mate, but I've absolutely loved chatting with you. It's been such a pleasure. No, it's been awesome. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate it, mate. No, it's been great. Um, I think what you're doing in general, but what you're doing specifically around mental health is is amazing, mate. You know, you've not just helped me, you've helped so many people. And uh, yeah, just think you're, you're, you're a top guy for doing it and speaking openly. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for you, mate. Thanks, mate. Likewise, I really appreciate coming on. so there it is guys thank you so much for tuning in and listening if you enjoyed that and got any value from it whatsoever i would love it if you could share on your instagram stories or any socials for that matter screenshot the episode and tag myself at mark underscore tf and also you can tag foxy at jason carl fox on all socials as well a massive, massive thank you to Foxy as well for telling his story, sharing all his amazing advice, hearing all things from what it's like to be in a battle situation, what it's like to be on TV and to replicate the things that he had in real life and, and work alongside close friends and also see the recruits go what they've been through. 
he's experienced so much in his life and I think we can take away so much from that. So a huge, huge thank you to Foxy once again. I originally met Foxy at Mana and it's a community I'm so proud to be a part of. I'm an ambassador of the guys in the gym and I love being a part of that. They've recently extended that to an online offering as well, which is an incredibly comprehensive offering, which means people don't need to necessarily go to the site to experience what they offer, which is great in my opinion. And we're actually going to do a workout this week, completely free on Instagram Live. So you can again, follow me at markwitter underscore TF to see all details about that workout. Me and Foxy spoke on this episode about the importance of camaraderie and training at Manor is definitely where I get mine. And it's great that we can invite as many people as possible now to be a part of that too. So more details will be announced on my socials later this week, but I'm really looking forward to doing that workout. As mentioned in the introduction, you can also support Calm Mental Health Charity by purchasing one of our t-shirts at mymanor.london forward slash shop. Every £8 which is donated goes towards funding a potentially life-saving phone call. If you're unaware of Calm, they're a fantastic mental health charity who support people who are struggling and going through a difficult time. A lot of these phone calls are from people who are considering ending their lives and these phone calls are so, so important. So anything that you can do to support and donate would be hugely appreciated. And that's it, guys. That is the end of this incredible four-part series. It's been an absolute honour to support Calm Mental Health Charity once again. It's been fantastic collaborating with the guys at Manor with us, limited edition t-shirt. And it's been such a joy to be able to share these fantastic stories. We started off with former professional boxer Kevin Mitchell. We moved on to Arlo Parks, who really is the next up and coming thing in music in London and worldwide. Then the absolute legend Wayne Bridge came on and talked all about his story in football and his journey transitioning out of his sport and finding a new identity. And what a way to wrap it up with Foxy. He's someone that I really admire, someone who's really helped me on my own journey. And it's been such a pleasure having him on the podcast. A real highlight moment for me and I'm so pleased we got to do it. Thanks so much for continuing to be with me along this journey and supporting the podcast and listening week on week. We've got another really great group of episodes coming up that will go back towards our typical conversations around performance. I can't wait to share those. I normally share specifically who's going to be next, but I actually don't know yet. So I'm going to tell you out of the two, it's either going to be British Lions, England and Exeter Chiefs rugby player Jack Knoll, or it'll be Team GP sprinter Adam Jamili, who's been our fastest and best sprinter over the last eight years. They're both unreal chats. I loved each of them individually and I can't wait to share those. But until then, thanks again for sticking with me and supporting and stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.